So the other day, Isles Fix posted something about Rich Pilon. And of course, I went down a rabbit hole. Isles fans of the 90s, James, I'm sure you remember like a little bit of, of Rich Pilon. Um, probably have fond memories of him if you're a fan from that that era. What I realized is, in just kind of like poking around and, and how long he was with the team, he's a rare player that made it all the way through the 90s with the team. I'm not sure there's another player that he, I think he signed in 88, 89 or something like that. Um, I don't know if he was drafted by team, whatever the case was, he, you know, joined the team and around that time and made it to the late 90s, which is amazing considering all the turmoil, all that change. Um, I thought it was really interesting and not a player we talk about these days. Yeah, he's uh, he signed on in 88 and yeah. he lasted until the 99-2000 season before he went to or he went across town to the New York Rangers. So he was waived during that season. Yeah. And I think a day or two later, it may have been his first game with the Rangers. I'm not 100% sure, but is within his first or second game with the Rangers, they play the Islanders at the Coliseum. So he returns, you know, to to the Coliseum in, the, in a uh, Rangers uniform, visiting locker room. It's all weird, blah blah blah. And he takes a penalty during the game. And he's going over to the penalty box, like I'm sure he did a lot of times throughout the the 90s in an Islanders uniform. And for some reason, the door is not opening. And the attendant inside the box kind of starts laughing. Eventually, he points to the other one. He went to the Islanders box instead of the <laughs> Rangers box. I remember and he that. said that the, the, the Coliseum was uh, the entire Coliseum was laughing. And he goes, it's kind of cute. There was a New York Times article. I thought I thought it was really funny. You know, I just got down this huge rabbit hole. I thought, you know, and I tweeted because like Mike Comanito, if you don't follow him, he's great. A lot of uh, yeah. hockey history, NHL history stuff. Um, and he liked it. And it's just one of those little moments where, you know, like you, if he tweets it out and shares it, you know, it was legit. Um, like I said, I I found the New York Times article. So I, I thought it was really funny. And one of those players that, um, you know, you can especially in the 90s with all those jersey changes, like you just see him through all those iterations. And like there's there's some like a Casparitis and a Palfi and um, that kind of go through all those iterations. Palfi was with the team longer. I think people realize too. Um, you know, number changes, jersey changes and things like that. But I, I thought that was um, worthy to start the show with something a little bit different. Um, and it's not a name I thought about in like a really long time. Yeah. Um, it was something like Pilon and Mario Lemieux like slashing the hell out of each other during a game, which was <laughs> just peak 90s, uh, I, I guess. It was just like the part of the craziness, if you remember from from that era. Speaking of 90s, a little bit off script, but have you seen the, um, the, the uh, they're not leaked images, but they're, um, I, I, aesthetics put out what they believe the all-star jerseys are going to be look like have you seen i haven't but i'm intrigued and i have hopes remember the um remember the uh eastern conference and western conference jerseys that were purple and green so those are going to be the jerseys according to aesthetics or something very similar but miami vice colors 
black jersey with the the pink and and the the blue and like all those poppy colors or the white one with the same things just a little bit reversed i'm i have actually the chills right now thinking about it because that is so chef's kiss to me that and, and the other thing that they said too is it's i don't know if there's a um uh, um like a uh if they're doing the four teams or if they're doing two teams again, remember they did the four right with the four jerseys a couple yeah, of all-star yeah. games ago. So if they do four, it could very likely be black Jersey, white Jersey, but then a pink Jersey, which we've never seen in the NHL, right? We've probably seen that like AHL and like, you know, ECHL and stuff like that. Uh, you know, teddy bear toss stuff like that, but never seen a pink Jersey. And then like a, almost like the Seattle Kraken really light greenish blue interesting no i'm um, not so i'm not seeing it on their twitter which is fine which is fine i thought you were going to say now those that the eastern western jerseys are great that yeah. brings back a lot of memories um you know I, I feel like i watched a million videos i i remember it at the time too and if you have a jersey from the 90s too you'll have eastern western conference the logos from that time period uh i believe the starter jerseys or some of the jerseys will actually have that one of those two logos on it. I thought you were going to say they were going to the orange and black. And that got me excited from I was, the, the 80s and 90s. So I'm sending you this now via via Twitter uh, in, in your DMs because there, here's the concept. It's just like a drawing. Um, but I am in love with the idea because it's I, I, I don't think it's just an idea. I'm pretty sure that this drawing is a leaked image from the 20 for the 2023 all-star game. I just sent it to you. I, I'm if I'm not, it looks like Wayne Gretzky on the left. I don't know who that is on the right, but look at that. And that is going to be, in my opinion, that would be cool. Go, I hope they go back to those logos and like, if, you know, like reverse retro or like whatever. That's you the call idea. It. Like, I don't. Yeah, I, it doesn't I don't, change the colors. It doesn't matter as long as you go to like the 90s colors. It does kind of look like Wayne Gretzky on the left. I'll say right. this, that image, um, and if you want to throw it on the screen, you, you got good at that. Um, oh, yeah. For our YouTube um, viewers. Our YouTube viewers. Our YouTube all Yeah, there's actually a number of you, so thanks. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, that reminds me of pro beach hockey. And I think that's the that point, you, right? Because the game's in Florida. It's supposed to be like a Miami Vice thing. So, like, the, the whole theme of it makes sense. I, I really love this idea, and I really hope that this is it. Like, there's a lot of steam here. It does feel like this is pretty likely. But, man, like, the, and if you get a chance and, you know, maybe off air, I'll, I'll uh, you know, send you the video on Aesthetics' uh, YouTube page. But, oh, my God, like, the the images and the concepts are just so nice and, like, if this happens, I might need to get one. I started collecting jerseys. We could talk about that too, but yeah, I um I have a bunch of Islanders jerseys. What other ones uh, have you started collecting? So I got a new I got a new just regular uh, Andrews Lee home jersey for Christmas this year. Um, and like on my bucket list, I have I want to get the reverse retro for the Islanders. I want to get the Devils reverse retro because I just love it. Even though people call it the Burger King jersey, I don't care. I think it's really nice. Um, if this makes it. If this is legit, I need to get this one, I believe, or probably both of them. Um, I want to get the I, I've been in love with some of the reverse retros, but the original 
uh, reverse retro line Colorado Avalanche. Um, and then this year's white Team USA jersey in the World Junior Championships was incredible. And I think I need that one as well. Those are pretty good choices. I've been on a kick. I have a bunch of Islanders jerseys. Um, I have, as as non-Islander jerseys, I have my childhood Mighty Ducks jersey with my name oh, on nice. it. Oh, nice. And I believe it's a CCM jersey too, so it's legit. It has the team logo on the bottom right, um, on like on the back as well. Um, I have a Campbell Conference All-Star jersey, uh, Iserman. It's a remake. It's not an original, which is nice. A little annoying. I also have a purple. Um, I got it for like twenty bucks at a at a hockey shop in Oswego, New York. Um, a purple uh, Mighty Ducks jersey, like an, a a coho one. Um, <laughs> that was a, a short lived. I think after starter or before starter. I'm, I'm not entirely sure when they when they made those. Um, and I have a, a Pittsburgh Penguins practice jersey with the Robo Penguin. That has cast oh, nice. in the back, obviously, because. <laughs> and then I have, uh, a, I, have um, a... I have a Los Angeles Kings Wayne Gretzky jersey that I think I told you about. I found it in like a random military shop. It was just hanging up for 75 bucks and I stole it basically. Because 75 bucks, it was a vintage Wayne Gretzky Los Angeles Kings jersey, the purple. Oh. I was hyped. Oh, to find that oh one. interesting. I, I had a blank LA Kings jersey as a kid. I had a Dominic Hoshik Buffalo Sabres jersey because you weren't a 90s kid if you didn't play street hockey goalie pretending you were Dominic Hoshik. Um Is that was it the black goat head jersey or was it the I uh, see I need one of those. And you know what I think I need? I'm so mad I don't have it anymore. I think I need Kyle Pozo with the captain's patch on it. It's a it's a cool jersey. I mean, like the blue and yellow is great. Whatever every team does black. I mean, a lot of teams do blue too. I guess the the black jerseys, the black and red is um, that's how I that's it, what I associate with that it, with that team. It, and, and we don't have to have this debate today. Maybe it's an off season debate, but that might be the greatest hockey jersey ever. That might yeah, that might be a summertime episode for sure. We can rank <laughs> yeah. uh the thing is there's just so many. Like you can just get yeah. down such a rabbit hole of, oh yeah of jerseys and, and and different things. Um you had that um I had a team USA so this this must have been ni- like in 1998. I did team USA t-shirt with Mike Richter on it, which I always felt weird about because it was Mike Richter, but he was the goalie. Like he was the guy. He was an American goalie at the time. There was like John Van Viesburg, I guess, and uh, I, I can't really even recall um, any other. And even at that point, Van Viesburg was not yet an Islander, and he was shortly just not a Panther. Oh, well, Van right. Viesburg was a Ranger in the early '90s. Um, he may have went back. I can't remember. Um, yeah, I had a bunch of great jerseys. I had a world. The remember the All Star game? It was the North America versus the World. I had a yeah. the white. I had that white world all-star jersey um you know what jersey my brother has oh my brother has remember when they did team north america at the world cup i do like those he has was it it was like black and orange it was black and orange or red i can't i'm trying to remember who he got what player because at the time 
Patrick Kane wouldn't have qualified. I think he was too old. So did he get like he either got like Austin Matthews, who had not or... yet played in the NHL, I believe at that point. Like I don't even think he played an NHL game before. Maybe he not. He might have gotten Johnny Gaudreau. Um, oh, man, I really need to remember who he got. Maybe I'll find it and, t- and take a picture of it. But that's a that's a sweet jersey. But um, just as a quick aside, because you said Mike Richter, and then I promise we'll talk about the New York Islanders. But um, did I tell you about the time? So I told you, like, you know, I, I don't maybe the listeners know, too. I've tweeted about it a couple of times, but my uncle designs goalie masks. Um, but not only does he design goalie masks, he's also a photographer. And he was the team photographer for the New York Rangers in 1994 after they won the Stanley Cup. And yeah, so they they um, I guess they technically rented out Central Park. Nobody was allowed in. It was just the New York Rangers. And they were uh, they took the they took the Stanley Cup to Central Park um, and in their jerseys and jorts and uh, rollerblades were just rollerblading around the whole park with the with the Stanley Cup continuing that on ice celebration with a cup over their head and everything and my uncle crazy. was there too as the photographer taking pictures for that event um I'll never forget when he told me he was doing that and then uh well he didn't tell me that he was doing that and I remember he uh I was two but he told when he was telling me about that um it's just like unreal. He was showing me the pictures and everything too. And like, he, you know, he's friendly with Mike Richter and stuff like that. And, you know, they still exchange texts sometimes because he designed the mask that year that he won the Stanley cup. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Martin Brodeur's mask. Um, Ask your, ask your uncle about where the, where the Rangers partied after. Okay. He might, he's gonna, he, he might mention this place called the China club. And for any listener old enough that, you know, whatever, well, um, I have family that like owned that and worked there. Oh, and I remember going there. This is not like you know during that, but like all of the major sports teams in New York, like the Yankees, the Rangers, whatever. If they won a championship in the '90s, like the early late '80s, early '90s, they went to the China Club. That's cool. And like I think Mike, you know, some family members like remember them coming in with the cup, and I'm sure that like if he if he was a team photographer, he was there, and he might even know better than me. Yeah, um, I, I don't want to I don't want to misspeak and say he was the team photographer for like the season. I just know he did that event for them afterwards. He might have done a few others as well, but he definitely did that one in Central Park, uh, which was super cool. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about texting you and just asking like. If I just wanted a professional made goalie mask, just like have and just like have them paint it and like tell them a bunch of stuff to put on it. Yeah. I would that would be such a unique I, yeah, I want he's, it. like it's probably incredibly expensive. That's you I'm know like, what I'll do too? I'll have him text me a bunch of images of like these. It, it's funny because like the way he designs it, he on on his screen, he opens the mask up so it's flat and he just draws on the whole thing. I'll send him, I'll tell him to send me a bunch of his designs that he's already, like they're already published and goalies are wearing them now, but I'll just send you like the mock-ups that he's done. They're so cool. There, there are some really, really cool ones. I love um, the nuance. Like yeah. I, I love looking at the masks and like, it's like, um, and just because I, I happen to have gone, I, I went to high school with him, like Keith Kincaid, the, like I remember in, in the early days when he was playing with the devils, there were these little nuances on his mask that like I knew what they were because I was like I wasn't part of that like really insular close friend group. He's like, oh, but you, 
You but I was the like, yeah, I understood the reference. And I'm like, I think that's such a cool thing that they're able to do in, in a sport that does not promote individualism at all. Yeah. Where, you know, Connor Bedard after the World Cup, you're like, I don't want to talk about, you know, my professional, my personal stats and this, which is fair and whatever. Um, in a sport that like, you know, trains players not to do that necessarily um especially as you get older if you're going into pro- the professional ranks or whatever it's cool to have goalies be able to show that a little bit you know yeah. like did, they do it a little bit with their pads but like their helmet is like the only thing in the nhl i should have sent this to you the other day i don't know if you saw it but somebody tweeted at steve dangle that he's on the back of their mask like in an lfr just making a crazy stupid face if i'll find that and send that to you too it's, it's that's really that's really really funny that'd be a, a yeah i'll have to i have to check I that out um, too. <laughs> uh moving let's on talk, New York. let's talk islanders yeah let's let's talk islanders i mean we started it was really close we started um we're halfway through, actually a game over halfway through the the Islanders season. Um, not all teams, you know, I think some teams are a few games ahead. I think the Islanders are one of those teams. Um, they've played a few more games than the teams around them, which at, at this particular stage with how many points they have and all of that and how well other teams around them have played is not a good thing um, that they do not have games in hand. And the games that they play, they've not they've not won. Um I wanted to get your overall thoughts on the Islanders season so far. Um, with the exception of Ilyas Rokin, incredibly mediocre. Does that sum it up? No, it's and it's really funny because that's going to be the name of the episode: Midway and Mediocre. And yeah, no, that I mean that's that's exactly it, and. So, you know, when I, I was like writing these notes and it gets hard, you know, we were talking about this off the air and um, particularly how I, I stepped away from the, the writing for the the hockey writers. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, how it's just it's hard to write when there's what, what, what are we what do you write? You know, it's different on this medium where we can kind of go in depth on some things really, really far Um we can glaze over some things we don't want to talk about. We can just avoid it altogether. When you're writing, you need to tell a little bit more of a complete story. Um, and it became, yeah. it just becomes increasingly difficult to say like, yeah, they didn't play well. They had a really bad start. Sorokin bailed them out. They won slash lost. It's it's a really like easy Mad Lib. Um, you can kind of go over like Barzell wakes up blank player. You didn't expect had a good game. Um, the defense scored. They're, you know, they came back in the third. It's, it's just a lot of the same. Um, and it's, it's hard to create content around that in general. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody about this the other day and I was just like, you look at the, you look at the numbers, right? The, the Islanders scored 2.79 goals per game last season. The objective for this season was to score more goals. And if you look at it, Technically, they are. They scored, I think they're scoring like 3.15. Is it a huge difference? No, it's not even a full goal. But it's more. It's interesting, right? Because I'm sitting here and I'm saying the Islanders defense on the the, the blue line itself is 
fine, yet not better. I, it's incredibly frustrating to me because I can't I can't quite put my finger on what it is about the blue line. It's like the, there's a an injury, but the next guy steps up and it's like, oh, they're they're still fine. Yet oh, they, it's, they and it's still perfectly fine. Lowercase f fine. Well, yes. So you know when it when it boils down to everything, right? They're getting incredible goaltending from Ilya Sorokin, right? A couple of models have come out recently since it's the midway point. He's the Vezina favorite. I don't know how others feel about that, especially when Linus Olmark has like maybe two losses. I don't know. But anyway, incredible goaltending, right? The defense is what it is. It boils down to the same thing that we always talk about. The Islanders just need a friggin' goal scorer. They need somebody who's going to put the puck in the back of the net. The one guy who they were hoping, you know, and have been hoping for the past couple of years who could do that has been injured. He hasn't been skating on his own. He's still out in Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, and then after that, you're looking at Brock Nelson, who's having a good season, not as good as last season. I think he's projected to be somewhere between 29 and 30 goals. You have Matthew Barzell, who's scoring again, which is nice to see, right? He's projected to have somewhere in the 20 range. Anders Lee. And then that's really it. Like, then it's by committee. The, the, the problem here is like we fall in love with and, and don't get me wrong. He's he's been incredible. We fall in love with the Hudson fashings. The Islanders need a goal scorer. And that's it. That's that's yeah. it. Um, Their role until, players are locked up like they have a really right. good supporting cast and Parise and fashing and this and whatever. And and it's great. I mean, and you can it's, even call the middle six even really good as well. Right. Save for I agree. You know, different, you know. A, a, a Bailey here and there and a Bavillier on and off and blah, blah, blah. But like for the most part, even the middle six is good. It's going to be such a, re- uh, a revelation when, if and when the Islanders finally do get that top line winger to pair with Matthew Barzell and everyone else in the depth chart just takes a, a, a step down and it all falls into place. It's almost like it's almost like the lock that doesn't fit, Right. It's just like that one piece, that one piece of the lock just won't fit. You can't quite turn the uh, turn the lock to lock it just yet because you need one. You need to just go one more notch. They don't have it. And when they do have it, it'll it'll finally lock. It'll finally click. And the Islanders will be that team that we are hoping that they can be like. And we're going to talk about this later, but for instance, you know, the, the 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 big sniper that is available because the Sharks have made it known he's available is Timo Meyer. He's on pace to score 47 goals. When was the last time somebody on the Islanders scored 40 goals? Jason Blake. Okay. So we're talking. Grabner was 34. Like 2000s. Grabner was, I think he was 37. Either way, mid, mid. To high thirties, right? Did Tavares uh, ever a, score forty? He may. Score uh, 40. you know what? You're right. Tavares did score forty, but we're talking early twenty uh, tens. Like the Islanders haven't had a forty goal scorer in Matthew Barzell's era, and it's like he's playing out of his mind. He's playing fantastic. We spoke about this last week. He's playing very well. Could you imagine if he had somebody who could take some of the pressure off of him? Could you imagine if he had somebody to distribute to? Like, don't get me wrong. You know, 
Simone Holmstrom playing with him is nice. Anders Lee plays better with Brock Nelson, so I'd prefer to keep him there. Who's he playing with? And, and you know, with Walsh, even when Wallstrom was in the lineup, like that wasn't working. And we had discussed that earlier in the season. For whatever right. reason, so, that just didn't click. And and Wallstrom, you know, could be destined for that second line eventually at, at, at some point too. I, I think there's, you know, he's out indefinitely. Palmieri could be back. Holmstrom goes down. That opens up a spot. You have Bailey and Bavillier. There's like one too many, especially because now there isn't a third line spot in theory anyway, because of Hudson bashing who is playing well and, de- and frankly deserves to be there. Um, right. Who I would play over um, Bailey for sure. But Villiers maybe. Um, but I don't even like that. I have to, the fact that I have to think about that is not a good sign from Bavillier, Right. And it's not because Bavillier is not, you know, he is 16 points in 39 games. Like I, I think it's over with him. Talk about a player that needs a fresh start. Like I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you continue with him, frankly. And maybe that's a different discussion. Um, where I did want to take it, I mean, and and it's just as a as a transition, and and we can kind of continue to talk about this a little bit. Um, on, on the whole, is this where you think, if I'm not mistaken, um, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but is this where you thought the Islanders would be at this particular point? Yeah about you know they're they're teetering on either being in the wild card or not in the playoffs i thought that they were a wild card team i didn't think that they and maybe you know if somebody decides to go back in one of our episodes and and clip me if i said otherwise please let me know but at least since the middle of october i i at least came to terms with the fact that i was like okay this is a middle of the road team this is a middle of the pack team and, you know, they're playing with more pace, but they don't necessarily have the foot speed. They're playing a different style and it's it's a good it's a good style. I, I think it would benefit them because they can afford to give up a little bit because of the, the goaltending that they have, um, which is, you know, allowing Noah Dobson to create a little bit more offensively. And um, you even see Sebastian Ajo is, is a is an NHLer now because this system is better for him. Um, but. I, I definitely knew by mid-October that this was a middle-of-the-road, middle-of-the-pack team that needed, you know, they, they could be better. They just need that, they need that upgrade. And the thing is, like, it's it's so interesting. Like, we've seen Lamorello pull through in that area in season. So you you want to have faith that it will happen. It's just it's tough to imagine because of how many times we've been burned with that. And especially with the way that things went last deadline where there was an opportunity to get some money off the books and, and instead it went the other way and it was disappointing. And I, and you know, and it stinks to say it about somebody like Clutterbuck, um, but not when he's been injured, you know, he, he's been in and out of the lineup this season. Prize was perfectly fine. I, I don't care if he plays in this team until he's 45, frankly. If he keeps playing like this, um, or or even half of this, I I, I think in a l- more limited role, like I, I think that's totally fine. Did um, you see that stat about him? No. There was a, a statistic, some of the uh some of the best players, the, the uh the lowest what was the statistic? Hold on. 
It was the best value, like per dollar. Yes, that was it. Best value per dollar. Zach Parise is scoring like third per point. He's 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 receiving like thirty four grand per point, which is like sick. Yeah, it was like <laughs> tops in the league in in that regard, as far as like production yeah. versus how much he's getting paid. Yeah, um, he's the, the, it, the lowest cost per point. Like that would the leading the league is. Um, Tage Thompson because he's on a ridiculous contract until his new one kicks in next season, but he's he's receiving thirty nine thousand four hundred and seventy three dollars per point. Ironically, tied with Long Island's Sonny Milano, who, by the way, the Islanders didn't need that guy. Yeah, it turned out that that again he would have been a middle six, bottom six kind of player. Um, he would have gotten some time now, but um, probably not um, at the at the time. You're like, do some if you're not going to do anything, do something. Like if you're not going to do anything big try literally anything instead of like re-signing Kiefer Bellows and then waving him and then bringing in Sashnikov and then terminating his contract. And I, I it just, that's, I think where that faith kind of gets lost. Even if he's, you know, Lamorello has, you know, brought in a, a Peugeot, Palmieri, Andy Green, um, Travis Ajak, and, and they've been assets to this team. It's still so disappointing when you go into the season why wait like i just i guess i don't understand i don't like did the price the prices go down at the deadline i don't think so i don't think that's the case and if you know like if we knew if i remember correctly um and, and you mentioned this i believe this is where we thought they'd be maybe maybe not midway in the season but by the end of the season so 41 42 games in i don't think this is how we thought they'd get there. We thought this is where they'd be in the standings, but this is not the team. And it was hard to kind of gauge what those expectations would be as like how they'd be playing. But I don't think I saw a team that couldn't start games, that couldn't focus, that yeah. the power play was this bad, that was yeah. depending so heavily on on their goaltending. And I think it's a really good point. Their defense is fine, and I'll and I'll say this, and maybe with the biggest difference um, that I'm seeing, and it may be an effect from um, or maybe influenced by rather uh, Lambert's style and, and some of that the changes that have happened on on the back end. That I don't know the nuance of all of that, obviously, to be able to pick it apart. Pelic has been really good. He's obviously like one of the team like the best shutdown defenseman in the league. The pairing of Pelic and Pulak are not as dominant as they were in years past. And I don't no. know what the problem is. They, they the eye test and again the numbers I know for Pelic are really good still. I don't know what they are for for Pulak. The eye test is telling me that they don't look very good. And that is a concern, right? I think it's there are some really good uh, positives, and I do want to go into like not superlatives, but like biggest surprises and you know things uh, negative, positive, and kind of all that next. But um, and even you know second half predictions, but that to me is one of the bigger surprises. More than Dobson, you know, continuing to grow, more than any you know anything else like that. That pairing is just not as good and i don't really have an explanation for it i think for 
I, I think you're right, right? There's no explanation for it. Well, the, the system, the system, I think, is really what helped because their their strengths catered to the system that Trotz had in place more than it does the, the system that uh, Lane Lambert has in place. Now, here's the thing, right? They're a top-pairing defensive pair in a Trot system. In a, in a Lane Lambert system, they're probably a second pair. Which is okay because you have Noah Dobson and Romanov, who I think well, it's completely use based, right? It's not necessarily that they're not a top pair. It's the focus is on offense, which is I think is your is your right. point. They're the yes. better defensive pair, right? Like I I don't think that's a that's a question. But Pulak doesn't right. score anymore. Like he just isn't getting points, and it's it sucks because he was a regular nine, 10 goal scorer, 35 points ish. And he was only increasing over the years. So that sucks that he just kind of dropped off. I can't remember if he had an injury or whatever the case was where he came back. He just kind of like, wasn't the same. Um, right. But now the interesting for thing, a while, but the interesting thing though, is that when both, when, when Pelic was healthy, uh, Lambert would switch him. Would, would would switch the pairs. So it would be Pelik and Dobson, Romanov and Pulik. And those actually worked pretty good. <laughs> yeah, some of the switches have been interesting. Um now it's Wotherspoon and Pulak. Who by the Aho, way Aho and Dobson and Romanov and Mayfield occasionally. Nassiman Hockey is brought to you by DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? If you're like me, you know Josh Allen is good for a touchdown or two, so bet on him to throw a couple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Witherspoon, he's been good. Honor, he was going to be in my in my surprises for the season and honorable mention. Um, that yeah. depth that depth is really great to have there. Um, was it you, you who said he's like Pelic light? I, I believe I I believe I said that. It's nice because in the future he could be uh, you know just like Mayfield, a good third pair defenseman. Yeah, with the potential to be a second pair at, at some point. But like, and, and this is nothing against Mayfield, but like Mayfield's a really good third pair. Yeah, and I think you know Wallerspoon could absolutely be that player down the line for the Islanders, and it's it's not depth that we thought was there, right? You're you're crossing your fingers about Salo and maybe Aho eventually if he can just kind of put it together, um, and Samuel Bulldog, like your Samuel your Bulldog is an all star again. I yes, I was uh, I was going to mention that. Um, off the top of my head if I remember but so thank you for saying that but I, yeah I did see that today so you're like you know you're thinking about the future of the team can can Pelik and Pulak kind of hold on you have Romanov who's right. still really young like then this guy kind of comes out of nowhere and you're like 
oh, okay, maybe we're like okay for a little bit uh, on on defense as, you know, that's not the problem. That depth is way more than we thought. Now it's on the other side, which is really good. Right. We saw uh, Ratu kind of come in and, and play really well. He was obviously sent down. We'll talk about that in a second um, or in the second half of the show. So, yeah, I mean, like that, the offense is a little better, but you're again, you're talking about like middle six at best at when they're really young. It's that right. top end that, you know, will beat it into the ground, you know, for yet another um, season and episode and, and, and so on until it happens um, and sticks around. Right. I don't think Lemurel is going to try to yeah. trade for somebody that's not going to sign. But, you know, the last time there was like, a a huge deal was snow bringing in Ryan Smith and then he didn't stay or snow bringing in Vanek and then he didn't stay. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to get amped about it because we've been burned. You know, if you've been following this team long enough, you've just been kind of burned over and over. Um, it's either we need a goal scoring winger or that was the only thing that the team had in Ziggy Palfi. So we we really don't know any different. Um, we either have a really good center or a really good wing. It's been a long time since it's been together. Both. Yeah, and and when it has been, it's been for half a season or probably much less. You know, you're talking twenty to forty games at at best. Um, although the Vanek trade may have been really early in the season. Yeah, it was in December. Um, so that had some time to marinate. So that that may have been more, you know, over the forty game mark. But either way, overall, the, I, I I didn't think this is how they would get here, but this is where I thought they'd be. By and large, um, I do want to talk about um, some of the you know the biggest positive surprises this season. Is that Sebastian Ajo? You know, it's probably, right? Like, we knew or we, we expected Barzell to take a step. We expected another 30-goal performance from Brock Nelson. We expected Ilya Sorokin to have a Vezina-caliber season. We expected uh, Noah Dobson to play the way he's playing. Like, anything we didn't expect or anything that else that we could talk about, it's it's actually not that good. So yeah, Sebastian Ajo is really just the outlier where you sit there and you say, yeah, who who would have thunk, right? We were writing this guy off. Why did they sign him for two more years? What do they see in this guy? Different system, fits him better. Yeah, it's. I think you're right. Yeah, honorable mention, like we said, to Parker Walterspoon, um, and of course Hudson Fashing, right? You 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 worry about the fourth line and the future of what that might be and the identity of the team and how does it transform who is Casey Sezik is going to play with and um, will Parise be healthy enough for for long enough they want to continue playing is that an option you know and then a guy like this comes around and he, and he really steps up and uh, you know brought in by Lamarello so you can get and give him credit there but it wasn't on anybody's radar right? you know exactly to your point so another honorable mention in in Hudson Fashing um on the not so good side of the surprises is that robin sallow now you know and to be fair he didn't get 
a huge opportunity. But it speaks volumes that Aho was able to kind of go in and he's played ever since. Um, Aho has now played, uh, let's see, 38 games. Sal had 11. And we have not seen him outside of a, uh, maybe once recently. And I say recently, like in December. And now the defense takes longer to develop. And I'm not writing him off, but it was just something I think we got too amped about and yeah. got overexcited. Our expectations are really high. We were just trying to get younger on the back end and, you know, a little little over ambitious and it's not like Aho is old he's 26 but that's it's two years older than Aho yeah Aho uh, rather um Salo has not really had a ton of experience in North America or Aho has a couple more years uh, especially in the eye on their system um to, to develop and they've always done a really good job for all the Brent Thompson um trolling that you can do on him They've never had a problem developing defensemen. If if anything, it's that's been something no. that the team has been really really good at over right. the last ten years. Um, is that uh, is that one of the biggest disappointments in the first half of the season? If it's not him, it's Anthony Bavillier. Oh, I don't. Th- I I can understand that, but I think it that's that it's that uh, that ship sailed for me. There's no more being disappointed. You know what it is? Because he's just perennially had an opportunity to had a breakout season, and now he's going to be, you know, he's he's still really not that old. He's 25, but, like, I'm done. It could be over. Yeah, you know what it is? I think I I had one more season of that, and it hasn't happened. And the reason why it's the most disappointing to me is because of the fact that we have this new system that it probably caters to his style of play better, yet he's the same player. So Robin Sallow, am I disappointed? Yes, but I'm less disappointed about him because he hasn't established himself as an NHLer yet. He's trying to get there. I'm more disappointed in the NHLer who can't take another step has shown that potential, but can't figure out how to do it consistently. And given every opportunity oh, all over the lineup, every opportunity, power play, he's even, this, whatever. He's even gotten demoted to the third line, and the less minutes with different situations hasn't helped him. So at that Le- point, less minutes, but with lesser competition. Lesser right? competition. Like the, you know, uh, not as good defenders on the other side of the puck. Right. And he's played both roles, both sides of the puck in, in a lesser role, right? He was a third line checker. Eh, he was okay. They're okay. So what about the scoring side? Eh, he's okay. And, you know, first round pick, look, yeah, 28th overall. At that point, it's a crapshoot, but you expected more out of this guy. Because I've said it for a while, he has that skating ability. He has the same skating ability, not as good, but he has similar skating ability to Matthew Barzell. He can handle the puck pretty well. I mean, score a freaking goal. Yeah, it's, um, he's at like a 30%. Not, I don't know, 30%. He's not a half a, ga- half a point a game, but it's a point every three games or whatever. He, he's just perennially 30 points a season, 30 to 40 points a season. And... 
15 goals uh, spread out and just these long stretches of not putting up any points at all. Eight, nine, ten games of, of absolutely nothing. Maybe an assist here and there. Maybe even be an, a secondary assist. Um, but I can see that. I, I think I was I was just over it. I didn't have high expectations for him, so he can't be a disappointment. Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, were really, really excited about Sallow, and it was a little bit of a letdown. I think there's still plenty of time for him to be that player for the Islanders, and now there's a little bit of competition. He does need to just like wake up. Um, there, if a Wallerspoon's around and an Ajo is woken up and Bolduc's a, you know, while Salah was sitting in the press box, Bolduc's getting minutes and he's now an all-star in Bridgeport. And yeah, is it, it's not the NHL. At least Salah's in, in, in the show, but um, Bolduc's getting the recognition from the league and the team and getting those minutes and developing and all of that. And he's getting the ice time and there's something to be said about that. So I think it's just, it's amazing to me that Anthony Bavillier's career stat totals are 39, 34, 28 in full seasons. And in a different system that's supposed to be more offensive and more go, 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 score more goals, he's on pace for 32 points. Now, he's played excellent when they've made the playoffs. Sure. And there's something to be said about that, but you can't just keep this guy on the shelf. Yeah, you got you have to get there, and that's something that is absolutely in question this season. There's um, and that's a really good segue actually to um, you know second half predictions. But yeah, you have to get there. Um, do the Islanders make the playoffs with, especially with the way the teams around them are playing right now? Only if Ilya Sorokin drags them over the line, kicking and screaming. Um. How the Taylor Hall slash Keith Kincaid the team just like the Devils yeah. back back a few years ago? Y- yes, unless they make an upgrade. If they don't make an upgrade, the only way they get in is if Sorokin drags them there, and that's it. That's yeah, it. I I have to I have to agree. There's not a whole lot that we haven't already said, um, in, including you know that they need to make the trade. You know, I, the trade, like we, like I think that's just ubiquitous. I think everybody knows what that means at this point. We need to make it the trade. The trade. It needs. And, it and needs. It needs to be big. Some of you are going to hate to hear this. If it costs you Aturatu, uh, I know. But if it if he gets you forty frigging goals from Timo Meyer, sayonara, Sally. I think that's really hard. It is. I think that's a, that's something hard to digest. Um, I don't think the Islanders do it, but it's at least going to start there. I think there's other ways to do it, but you you cross your fingers and every appendage to make sure that's not it, especially with the way you saw him play. Two goals, seven games. Uh, you know, very very limited minutes, less than ten minutes a game, but. The confidence was yeah, probably, you know, the moves that he was making and, you know, to score both of those goals were, you know, what? I'm not the talking offense... about they were dangles or whatever. It was just that those were goal scorers opportunities and, and he took them and he just didn't make any mistake. And I, I think that's, yeah, that's don't get me wrong for there. 
the offense was nice, and typically that's the first thing that young players figure out in the NHL. The defense, that's what impressed me. And like I know we're so And that's what tired. Lambert said too. That's yeah, what he I'm so tired of defense. Of this team is always defense, defense, blah, blah, blah. He's a rookie. I'm just talking about personal personally for him. Like that he brought the offense too, which was great. But I was just surprised at how well he played defensively. That's what impressed me the most. He understood that role on a you know on that identity line that that he may not have ever heard it be called that. Um, I have a hard time believing that's what they call it internally in the locker room anyway. But either way, that line had a particular identity, and he picked up on it, and he was or told was told what to do, and he did it. And then yeah. even you know scoring a goal on a on a great little three on two to two on one play. Um, with Martin Ross Johnson and, and scoring that goal. Um, that's absolutely what you want to see is him just taking advantage of any opportunity. And then that in his first game, that that really confident move to the middle. Um, and he got hit at the end a little bit too, right? He wasn't just completely immune, but like he right. made the play and he took the hit and um, he scored a goal. He was rewarded for that kind of hard work and that gutsy play. And that's what really lacks in the steam a lot of times that we don't really have that. Because we don't have young players kind of doing, you know, uh, Wallstrom was doing it here and there. Um, Bavillier, you know, once in a blue moon, but we just, we don't really have that. We have just a different style of player, but you need a mix. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, too, that, the, 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 the second goal he scored to uh, Raw 2 was nothing to just be like, oh, good goal. Like, that was a game where they were playing the Vancouver Canucks and the Canucks were outplaying the Islanders at that point. They were winning one, nothing. The second period comes and credit to funny enough, Ross Johnston for making an excellent pass, but for Aturatu to also recognize the play being in the right position, receive the pass and score a goal that sparked a six goal win, right? They were losing the first 25-ish minutes of that game. And they didn't win by six goals. They scored six goals in the right. Just wanted to be clear. Scored six goals, one by four. But it was was a turning point. He scored a a goal in a big moment for them in a game where they needed to win. Right? You don't don't lose to a toiling Vancouver Canucks team. And he, he sparked that turnaround. I, yeah, I think that's, that's important to note. Um, a couple more notes from before we hit the second half here. Um, do you think the Islanders make the playoffs? I don't know that you answered the question. I said only if Sorokin. Oh, only, only if, yeah, Dregs. Okay, fair enough. Or if they make um, the upgrade. Other than yeah. that, no. Um, does Barzell hit 20 goals, 80 points? Yeah, I think so. He's on pace for it. He's on pace for it. Um, he's at a, exactly a point a game so far. Um, does Nelson hit 30? He's on pace for a two, and so is Lee. Yeah, I think I think Nelson hits 30. I don't think Lee does. Can Noah Dobson hit 20 goals? What's he at now? 10. In 42 games. Oh, man. I might have to go on DraftKings and make that bet. Yeah, THPN promo code, everybody. Make sure, oh, yeah. make sure you go use it. Um, playing around. Oh, I'm gonna that. go. I'm gonna say yes. Always go the over. 
Yeah, he he could. I think the power play needs to turn on a little bit. Um, that's that's what I was gonna say. If the power play gets any better, yes. Yeah. When was the last time the Islands had a twenty goal scorer? Was it Mark Streit? Twenty goal scoring defenseman. That feels right. It it could have been. Um... I would love that for him. I oh my god! Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, I think I think it's great. He he plays a lot of swagger out there, and I think they need that yeah. on the on the back end, and and playing with a guy like Aho as well, and, and having that in the lineup, and then you know I think they have a good mix. It's just very odd that they're questionable. Yeah, even with Pelic in the lineup, it just looks off like something's just not working, and that might be a Lambert thing, frankly, which worries me on the whole because if ownership has faith in Lamorello to do whatever it is Lamorello is going to do. And uh, Ledecky just said, you know, owners are going to be the owners and we hired a GM and they're going to do that. We're separate. We're not going to pretend that we know what we're doing and that we're a GM and I'm paraphrasing and adding some things here, but all I have to say is that they're keeping things separate. Um, that, that might not be Lamorello's philosophy and he's known for making those changes. Something's like, if Lamorell thinks he's making the right moves and giving Lambert everything he needs, is Lambert's leash short? Um, this I was is just going to ask you this question. I was just going to ask you whose fault is it if the Islanders don't make the playoffs? Is it Lambert's fault? First I think year it's Lambert. Bo- I think it's or both. is it Lamorello's? I I think it's bad. I, I think it's bad personnel. But you're seeing Lambert's inability to. The defense did not change enough. For, and the and the goaltending did not change enough. The goaltending didn't change at all for that to look weird. The forward group, fine. Even though there were hardly any different system, there, though it, it's a different it's a different system. it's a different system. But okay, I, I I think there needs there is like a, a huge distinction here. Yes, it's a different system. That shit is not working. I think it's really really oh, yeah. clear. So I don't care about that anymore. That's Lambert's fault. Full stop. I think that's I think a Lambert the, thing. It's not a. I think the thing here, no, because I think both. the thing here is that the system is what is relevant in today's NHL. He's just not equipped with the players who can do it. I think we're both it's right. Matt. It's Matthew Barzell. It's Brock Nelson. It's JG Pajot. It's it's left wing Casey Zekas. <laughs> it's and then it's some of the defensemen. Yeah, everybody else in the four like Anders Lee is an anomaly. He can you can pluck him and place him in any system, and his style will work because he just goes to the net and then scores. So I I give him an exception, but the style of play caters to Barzell. Caters to Nelson, caters to Pajot, <laughs> caters to Winger, Casey Zekas, and Zach Parise. Because he's still fast. That's a lot of players, by the way. It's but no. It's I think enough. it's I, I, I think it's both. I, I think it's a Lamorello and a Lambert thing. Lamorello's gotta know that that system's gonna change. And then something's off, like I said, on the defense. 
that's where you cannot have any excuses. The forward group, I understand. I can even agree 100% with you. But on, on the defense, like looking at how they're playing, I don't know. Change your system, dude. It's now it's been 41 games. You said it 20 games ago. Something's off. Like where Yeah. eventually you got to do something different. You have to change. Like, oh, after 20 games, they finally get it. Well, you know, now it's been 40. And they still don't get it. That problem might be you, dude. Forward group, a different problem. If it's just like not the personnel that you know that that should work and it's just not. But being a good manager is being able to make those decisions. And he, if he's just not doing that, I, like I said, I, that's why I think it's both. Eventually, you guys got to change something. You have to adapt. You can move players around the lineup all you want. You have to find a way to adapt. I'm um, laughing because uh, your boy Keith Kincaid responded to a Devils fan account that tweeted, y'all remember Keith Kincaid? And he responded, legend, am I right? <laughs> he didn't even tag him or anything. <laughs> he, just, he just found that's it. So, that's so funny. <laughs> um, so the, I, I know you have, you have to go feed your kid shortly. So we, we kind of have to, uh, rattle off the second half of the show in a lot less than uh, half a show's worth of time here. Um, so we'll, we'll go think through things really quick, a little bit of rapid fire aisles, news and updates um, before we get to a little bit of trade speculation, which is hopefully going to be one note and you kind of touched on it already. Um, yeah. Holmes from back looked okay in his return has not been largely impressive to me. Maybe that's a, um, you have to be an NHL coach to see it. Um, he's not putting up very many points. It's hard to notice him out there at times. He has some flashes. Thoughts on him being back? Is he just simply a placeholder until Palmieri gets back? Maybe. Um, I just I like his board work. I think he does well along the boards, and it's it's annoying because I feel like we keep talking about prospects who come up and play really well defensively, and we're just waiting for that guy to come through the the system and just tear it up on the score sheet. That has yet to happen, but he is one of those guys. He's doing really well on, the, on uh, the defensive side of things. He has good board work, which is hard to do at the NHL level for a rookie, uh, and he's doing it. He, I think his size is, is uh it is good enough. It too. works. That's, that's yeah, that that's the thing. But um, I like him. He's fine with a lowercase f. He's a bottom six player. He's yeah. I think he's a middle six, maybe a third liner at this particular yeah. point. But I, I, yeah. I agree there. Um, so we were. I I do want to point out that we were wrong last show about and thanks, um, Dave Tuckman and uh, Phil's facts for pointing it out on Twitter as well yesterday about uh, Ratu and the um, entry level contract slide that if he plays in the AHL apparently it doesn't come into effect um, after he plays nine games in the in the NHL and he's at seven. Yes, um, the honors got a little healthy. They have Holstrom back, so they can put Zeke's back. They have Fashing, who's fine, um, in 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 his role, and that's not a lowercase f fine. He's a good player for the honors. Um, do you think that's the right move? I, I did see Kevin Kerr's tweet the following quote: "Ratty not here at Rat Ratty Ratu not here at practice, so he's probably back in Bridgeport regardless." The whole 10-game threshold that would burn a year off his deal shouldn't be something anyone is worrying about at this point in the season, in my opinion. If he's helping and they need him, play him. Full stop. I tend yeah. to agree. 
Oh, I tend to agree 100%. Like, if it gives the, you more depth and you moved Sezikis up and you figured it out, like, right. why would you change that? Like, that was any glimmer of hope um, during this now, you know, three game losing streak and a, a bunch of losses in a row that were um, after Vancouver. You know, they, they lost a lot on that West Coast trip. They come back, they lose more, blah, blah, blah. Like, that was one po- piece of positivity. Like, how do you, how do you ruin that? Right now, and like here's the thing: like if he goes down to the AHL, tears it up, and they call him back up for the rest of the season, fine. They went, they sent him down, built his confidence. He applied his NHL knowledge to the AHL, dominated. Comes back up, and he's 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 a player. Great. They didn't really give him enough opportunity to run with it. Right, he did well in his very limited opportunity. So I I guess we can we can sit here and say there is something to say about how little he played. I would have liked to see him play more, but the, from the limited sample size, he was really good. And if he's helping you win games then keep him up, I agree. He should have stayed up. If he's going to go down to the AHL though, and do all those things I just said, that's fine too. I think the biggest thing for me was that the, it gave Lambert the f- flexibility in the lineup. It had almost nothing to do with what Ratu produced himself. Right. It was about simply him being there and the byproduct of that and the flexibility gave Lambert for the rest of the roster. I believe that was one of the last things I wrote. Yeah. At, at the hockey writers um, was that that it just it gave the ability to move a Sezikis in a fashion around the lineup a little bit and add it added serious depth again, even if Atu Ratu himself wasn't the one producing and being that depth piece. He was responsible enough. And at a certain point, as as Kerr said, um if if he's playing well and they need him and he's helping, keep him. Like you don't need to like nickel and dime every little thing here. Um what what is it? What does it matter? Um but right. Far quick aside, from, I guess either of us. Quick aside, um, you know, William DeFore is actually playing really well for the Bridgeport Islanders. He wasn't doing too hot to start there. Uh, received a health, healthy scratch sometime in November, and then ever since has taken off. Uh, the second leading goal scorer as a rookie. He's got 12 and 34 games, and he's fifth on the team in points, which is pretty good for his first season in a professional league. So uh wonder if he gets a chance at, at all. Uh Same for Bolduck because he's also, he's the fourth leading scorer on Bridgeport and he's. Again, you have to have some serious uh, injuries. I think even more than what they're experiencing Probably. now. Um, but um, it's it just yeah, good to see. Yeah. I think they had enough wingers, uh, you know, and they were, they were clearly willing to bring up the center in Ratu and move Sezikis to the wing before they yeah. uh, were willing to move up with Dufour. So that, that should tell you everything you need to know on that front. Um, to, to close out the show here, trade speculation. Um, tell us about the Sharks assistant manager, general manager at the, at the Islands game. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin Kerr's tweeted out, you know, for those wondering on the Timo Meyer speculation, uh, the assistant GM of the Sharks, the San Jose Sharks, Tim Burke, is in attendance at UBS Arena. The Islanders don't play the Sharks until March 18th. 
there's something to say about that, right? Typically, who's making the trips to scout for upcoming games? Who's making the trips to scout for players that um, maybe the other team has interest in or, or, or whatever, right? Scouts, right? The assistant GM, however, makes the trip. He's in attendance for Islanders versus Stars. And the Islanders have one need. And the Sharks have that need. I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying anything is definitive. But what I am saying is that it also doesn't seem like a coincidence. It's worth reading into. Um, and it's pretty much all that we have to go on. Um Something tells me it, it's it's weird because eventually you have to look beyond tape and you'd have to be if something was afoot, you'd imagine Lamarello was like, you have you can't just be obvious. So that's what the only red flag to me is that it may tip off reporters because it's not like Kurz isn't gonna say that, right? And if and if you know trying to put on your Lou Lamarello hat and, and how this is all treated. It's really hard to think that he would just be like, oh, yeah, just like be super obvious and come to the game and we'll make a trade. That's weird to me. That's the only thing Maybe. I don't I don't I think it's worth looking into. And that is a perfectly good path to go down. And I'm not even trying to be a pessimist. I'm trying to just how does Lamarillo typically go about these things? Not like that. Right. I'm not saying he needs to come in like in a full disguise, but um. You got to know who's report who's covering your team. Um, Kerr's likely still pays pretty close attention to the Sharks just because he covered them for a long time. I don't yeah. know if it's the same AGM as it was when Kerr's was covering the team, but willing to bet Kerr's has a pretty good idea of, about who those who the, who moved around this summer on that front. Uh, even though he's been covering the Islanders for a little bit now, um, so that's that's not really a Lou Lamarilla move. Um, unless they just kind of came on their own and he had nothing to do with it, and that put the kibosh on on that trade, um, so that might be interesting. And speaking of putting the kibosh on a trade, I'm so thankful that the JT Miller thing didn't happen because he has been terrible this season, both sides of yep. the puck. Bad yep. teammate, bad defensively. Can't isn't scoring. Well, I think he's scoring a little bit, but like he would not like it, he wouldn't have fit in with La how Lamarillo puts his teams together. It is pretty clear. Um, but I think that just about wraps it up here. Um, one last thing, and we were uh, talking about this off the air. James was, you know, I, I'll have a little bit of time, uh, not you know, the, to write. Um, and we've always toyed around with doing, you know, we did a Patreon newsletter. Um, God, it feels like forever ago, probably two years ago. And, you know, it got a little bit of traction, but having that regular thing is hard. Um, you know, I don't remember if we were doing it every day. I think it was just Friday mornings. And um, we want to be additive to the conversation about the islands. We don't want to be repetitive. So we're trying to think about how we do that. Um, if there's interest in, um, we, not an official name, but NHP the blog or 10 Thoughts by NHP or whatever we're going to wind up calling it, um, you know, however infrequently it may be, tweet at us, DM us, tweet us, you know, our, our um, 
at Nassiman Hockey, either one of us. Um, you can find our, our handles in the description on Twitter. Um, but let us know. Um, James and I, I think it would primarily be me, but um, if there's interest in, you know, some limited writing at the at the beginning, it would just be through Substack or something um, for free. Just kind of irregular musings from, uh, I don't know, for your favorite show. Hopefully we're your favorite show, but from this show, your two favorite hosts <laughs> from this show. Uh, yeah, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, in the meantime, please rate, review, subscribe uh, wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Nassiman Hockey. You can find James' work at the fourth period. Make sure to check out Isles Fix, um, an excellent Islanders curated newsletter in your inbox daily. It is a paid subscription at this point um, as of the first of the year or a little bit after the first of the year. Um, go support the guys and um, bring you recaps every single day. Um, I did write for them for a short time. It is very hard and time-consuming. I believe James is uh, finishing tomorrow morning's newsletter um, probably as we speak, as I finish up the show. And uh, so make sure you go over there and support them. Um, if you can take a pause from uh, from your writing and uh, whatever, you got to go feed your kid and stuff, uh, bring us home, buddy. Until next time, all, let's go Islanders. <laughs>